that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Are you aware of man's great potential and destiny? Why do you think God created man? Has any church ever told you? Has any religious person ever told you the reason? What happens when we die? I mean, is it true that God's greatest endeavor is to have basically what I would call a soul factory that soul, sort of like a soul conveyor belt, that when you die, your soul sort of just rolls right up into heaven. And then from that point in heaven, basically what you have is Christian retirement. Now, if you don't know who and what is God, if you don't know who and what is man, if you don't know what happens to you when you die, if you don't know what's it all about, why are we here taking up space, if you don't know the real meaning to life, you really cannot call yourself an educated person. In fact, you are very ignorant if you can't answer these questions that I've just reviewed here. Now, no school will tell you, no church can tell you, no college, no institution can give you the correct answer. Now, the Bible has the answer to this question, but the answer has been distorted by mainstream Christianity. In other words, the answer by mainstream Christianity is that God, yeah, God has a soul factory. That man has an immortal soul that cannot die or be destroyed, and that immortal soul upon death rolls up into heaven or goes to heaven when you die. And then you have the concept of heavenly retirement, which basically, you know, if you think about it, retirement in and of itself has never made a lot of sense to me. Because when you are the most needed, when you are the most valuable as far as knowledge and wisdom, you're put out to farm, at least in a business. When you can make the greatest contribution to that company, to that business, you're put out to farm, you retire. That's never made any sense to me. So the Christian concept is everything you go through in this life, all of the trials, the heartache, the pain, the suffering, all of the experience that you've gotten, you know, experience that has led to wisdom, experience that has led to the point where you know what works, all of that is for nothing. It's just in the end, you just retire in heaven, and we don't do anything for the, all eternity. That concept has never made any sense to me. Now, let's begin to answer these questions. What is the real meaning of life, and why are we here? And we're going to first look at a shepherd boy named David, who is lying out in a field. He's looking up at the starry lit night back then, up into the sky, 
And he says this in Psalms 8 and verse 3. When I considered the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Now back then, I'm quite sure that David did not know that the earth was traveling around the sun at a speed of, he might have known the earth was tra traveling around the sun, but he didn't know that it was traveling at the speed of 64,000 miles per hour around the sun, that when, the time, by the, when you go to sleep until the time that you wake up, you've traveled over one million miles on this spaceship called planet Earth. But what David is doing, he's looking up at the stars and the universe, and I'm quite sure back then it was less pollution, so you can only imagine the vision that he had back then. And he's contrasting himself with the awesomeness of God. And he says this, when I consider the heavens, everything that you have created, here's my question. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visited him? In other words, what David is looking, considering is, why did you even bother with mankind? When I consider the awesomeness of creation, of God's creation, how does man fit into the bigger picture? Why do you even bother with mankind? I mean, after all, I mean, if it was me, I would kill them all off. But you see, here's the thing. You know, when I say that, you know, when you look at all the evil that is in the world, all the crimes against humanity that is committed, all the wars, ISIS going running around cutting people's heads off and terrorizing people, you know, I would, if I were God, I would just kill them all. Um, but if you only look at the carnal side of mankind, the natural way we come into this world, and yeah, you would probably say they're not worth saving if you only look at the carnal side of we human beings, the natural side. But you see, there is a spiritual side to man that can exist. And this is what is worth saving, that spiritual side that can exist. You see, man is incomplete. We are walking around as empty temples. We're like the walking dead, you know, and, and that's what we are without the Spirit of God. But if we receive the Spirit of God, that corrupt nature can be totally transformed. So David the shepherd boy, shepherd boy knew that God was up to something really big. And so let's begin the story and begin to answer the question, what's it all about? Why did God create man? Why are we here taking up space on planet Earth? So we'll begin by turning to Genesis 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So I take it that God, first of all, he made a host body, this physical body, that was created in the image of God and after the likeness of God. So I take it that if I were to see God, God would have two arms, two hands, two feet, two eyes, two ears, you know, created in the image of God. Now, I think the reason probably God did this, it's sort of like, I heard a story one time about writing a book, that many people when they write a book, that they begin by designing the cover. And the cover is totally completed. You got this nice glossy uh, picture. You know, the cover has a nice picture on it. It has the title of the book. 
And yet the pages is empty. It's nothing in there. They start with the cover. So I take it God sort of is like that, that God created a host image, a body of himself. He sort of started with the cover. God created a host body that was in the image and likeness of himself. But this host body was empty. There was nothing on the inside. The pages were blank. Now, here's the thing you got to understand. You have taken this host body, this empty book, the book of your life, your storybook, and you have written on the pages trying to fill in the pages. And a lot of what you've written in your storybook doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of confusion there. There's been a lot of mistakes, broken relationships, addictions, maybe broken marriages. You know, you've, you've tried to write in and fill in on your storybook, you know, but, it, but you know, a lot of it, a lot of it could be looked at as a soap opera, actually. And, and a lot of it we're sort of embarrassed by as we go back and look at our storybook and we think, oh my goodness, I did that. Oh man, I made that mistake. Oh man, I hurt that person. You know, and here's the thing I want you to understand about your storybook. Your storybook can be rewritten. And I'm going to tell you how to do that. Your storybook that sometimes you're ashamed of and all the mistakes you've made, made in life, that your storybook can be re rewritten. So let's continue on. How did God create this host body that we see here? What does it consist of? Well, Genesis 2 and verse 7 says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now, that word soul is nephesh, and there is nothing immortal implied about that word. Nothing immortal about it. And what the word nephesh means, soul, it means any air-breathing creature, and it can refer to man or animal. And that's why Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 19 says this. It says, For that which befalls the sons of men befalls beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one die, so dies the other. Yea, they all have one breath, so that a man has no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go into one place and are of the dust and all turn to dust again. So it's like, you know, your dog Rover. When Rover died, he was dead all over. Now, it's important to understand that this host body is not immortal. It can be destroyed. Okay? You got to understand, you've been lied to about the Bible. By been, you've been told that you have an immortal soul inside of you. And that immortal soul, you know, is up in heaven watching, if, if you've died, that your immortal soul is up in heaven watching everything. I remember a woman, I heard, heard of a story about a woman who was married to a minister. He died at a young age, and she really had a problem later in life with getting remarried. She got remarried, but her problem was she imagined that of course, her husband minister was now up in heaven, according to the concept, and he was watching, he was looking down. And so since she had gotten remarried, 
it was very awkward or difficult her, for her to have a sexual relationship with her new husband because she had these illusions in her head that he was uh, her old husband, her former husband, was up in heaven watching everything. Now, listen, folks, this stuff goes on. When you explain such a false teaching, there are consequences of false teachings. In other words, your Bible says, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5, it says, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead don't know anything. You know, now, now this would be very comforting for this woman to understand, no, your past husband, your former husband is not up in heaven. There is no such thing as a mortal soul. He's not up in heaven watching everything that goes on. The dead don't know anything. You know, that's a profound truth. The dead don't know anything. Why is that? Because they're dead. Yeah. Okay. So when you think about the pain and suffering we human beings can endure because we're believing a lie, the mental and an emotional pain, simply because you're believing a lie. And it is a shame that these lies have been taught, yeah, by your local church, by religion. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall, will set you free. The freedom that comes when you stop believing a lie is incredible. It really is. There is a liberty there of the mind when you understand what God's truth really says. So the first thing we find out about the creation of man is that God created man mortal subject to death. And if we continue to live in sin, our lives can be snuffed out. This is why your Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, you've been told that the wages of sin is eternal life. <clears throat> the only thing is you spend that eternal life in a place called hell. That's what you've been taught falsely about the Bible. Now, the truth of the matter is we can have eternal life through Christ. But if we continue to live in sin, the end results of living in sin is death. No more you. And really, when I think about it, that's probably a good thing, no more you. That's great. You'll just simply no longer exist. You won't burn and burn and burn for all eternity in hell because you don't have an immortal soul. You'll just be destroyed. The wages of sin is death not living forever in a place called hell. Okay, now the second thing that we learn about God creating man is that there is something in man called the spirit in man. Let's take a look at that. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 21. Who knows the spirit of man that goes upward, notice that, it goes upward, and the spirit of, of the beast that goes downward to the earth. Now, when a person passes on, that spirit in man returns back to God. And since the animal, you know, that, that spirit is nothing, you know, God's not recreating animals after his own kind or anything like that. So he's only concerned about mankind. So that spirit that is in you returns back to God who gave it. Now this is what separates us from the animal kingdom, that spirit in man. The spirit in man is what gives you the ability to look at something that is right and to look at something that is wrong and to make a choice about which you will choose. 
It's called, it's, what it's called is being a free moral agent. Now, animals do not have this. Animals have instinct. They are programmed to do what animals do. But human beings, because of the spirit in man, this gives us the ability to choose between right and wrong. And really, the spirit in man is what makes us sort of like God. God also has the ability to look at something that is right and something that is wrong and choose. He always chooses to do the right thing. Now, what happens to that spirit, the spirit in man, when we die? Well, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7 tells us, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and, and the spirit, that is the spirit in man, shall return unto God who gave it. The spirit in man came from God, and it goes back to God at death. Now, when the Bible says God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, that word breath is divine inspiration. It's also spirit. So this is where the spirit came from. Spirit in man came from God. And it goes back to God when you die. Now, is that spirit aware of anything when it goes back to God upon death? When you die, your spirit goes back to God who gave it. Is it aware of anything? Is it looking down from heaven? Does it have a body? Is it looking and watching everything that goes on? Let's answer the question with the Bible. James 2 and verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, when you have a separation, body, spirit, it results in a condition called death. In fact, that is why a resurrection is needed. Because at the resurrection, there is a connection made again between spirit and and body, and that results in life. Okay, all right. In order to live forever, your spirit must unite, the spirit in man must unite with the spirit of God. In other words, you must receive the spirit of God in order to have eternal life, in order to truly be saved. Your spirit, spirit in man, must unite with the spirit of God. You must receive, in other words, the Spirit of God. All right, a second spirit is needed to make you complete, to make you whole. In other words, most of us walk around and we realize something is missing. The reason we feel something is missing is because something is missing indeed. It's called the Spirit of God. You were never designed to live out your whole earthly existence with just the spirit in man because you're incomplete with just the spirit in man. You need a second spirit called the spirit of God. Now, why do you need the spirit of God? Well, this is the reason. With just the spirit in man, you know, you can look at two opposite things and you can identify this is right, this is wrong with just the spirit in man. But with just the spirit in man, it does not have the power in and of itself to do the right thing. That is to make the right decision with just the spirit in man. That, this is why the spirit of God is referred to as power. Let's notice it. John 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God 
even to them that believe on his name. Well, what kind of power is this? Well, it's talking about the power that comes from God's Spirit. And that power has a lot to do with you making the right decisions. Oh, yeah, you, can, you know right and wrong right now with just the Spirit in man. But in order to choose and make the right choices, you need a second Spirit called the Spirit of God. And this verse reveals man's destiny. Our destiny is to become sons of God, to be born into the family of God. Now, what happens if the spirit that is in man never unites with God's spirit? What happens? All right, Romans 8 and verse 9. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, without receiving that spirit, you know, this, this is the real, te the real test of a Christian is not, do you go to church? Uh, do you love Jesus? Do you, have you given your heart to the Lord? The real test of a true Christian is, it, the real test is not, are you religious? The real test is, do you have the spirit of God dwelling inside? Has that spirit united? The Spirit of God united with God, united with your spirit, the spirit in man. Now, what happens if you truly have the Spirit of God? If God's Spirit has united with your spirit, a new creature in Christ is developing. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay, this is the work of God's Spirit dwelling inside of you. So what is man's destiny? What is man's destiny? Well, we read it earlier in John 1 and verse 12. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When will we literally become sons of God? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 49 tells us the answer. It says, As we have borne the image of the earthly, earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, I mentioned earlier that you have a storybook that you have been writing in. You've been writing your own storybook and that your storybook can be rewritten. When God's Spirit unites with the Spirit in man, your storybook is going to be totally rewritten by the power of of God's Spirit dwelling inside of you. And because your storybook has been rewritten, it's time at the resurrection for you to share in God's glory. How do we share in God's glory? It tells us right here. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Powerful concept there. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. What you got to understand is this. This host body was just a storage space for the spirit in man and the spirit of God to dwell there. That's what this host body is all about. It's just a storage space. At this point, that physical body is no longer needed. And of course, thank God for that. Because it is this physical body that gives us aches and pains. And as we get old, it wears out. 
and can cause us a lot of problems. All right, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. Now, there are some who have the Spirit of God, spirit in, they have, that Spirit has united with the Spirit in man. There are some who are going to live up right into the return of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, they are going, even their physical body, they're going to shed that physical body and be changed into a glorious body. Verse 52, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal, what we are now, must put on immortality. Oh yeah, immortality is, all, is something that we all want. But we're going to be, there's a specific time at which we are given immortality. You don't have an immortal soul right now. But the time in which you're going to be given immortality is right here. At, it takes place at the resurrection. Now, this is man's destiny. This is man's awesome destiny to literally be born into God's family as sons or daughters of God. Again, I want to close with this verse that is so very powerful. John 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that's what's really in your Bible. The Bible reveals that we were born for a tremendous, awe-inspiring purpose. But few really understand what that purpose is. What God is doing through mankind is revealed at the very beginning of your Bible. Let us create man in our image and after our likeness. To fully understand God's glorious purpose for mankind, order your free copy of Man, God's Destiny Child. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.